It was January 1981, and uh, Ronald Reagan was set. He was the incoming president of the United States of America, and he was uh, he, uh, Michael uh, Deaver was the deputy chief of staff of the incoming Reagan administration. And so it was the morning of his inauguration and, and Michael Deaver, he was up and he was beginning to make preparations, and, but he was beginning to get worried because his uh, boss was, um, was, he appears that his boss had overslept. Big day, you can't, can't oversleep. And so he goes to the president's door. He gently knocks, he, he cracks the door open and he says, sir, it is 8.30 in the morning. In about two hours, you are going to be sworn in as the 40th president of the United States of America. The way Deaver tells us, President Reagan peeks his head out of the covers and groggily looks at him and says, do I have to? Maybe you felt the same way in, in your leadership before. Maybe uh, the, the weight that you carry and, 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 and the positions that you hold have just, have just felt so great. Maybe it's uh, something at work. Maybe there's a, a project that is coming due that, you, that you're a part of. Maybe there's a, 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 a big sale that has to go on, a big deal that's going down, and that you feel the weight. You feel the weight of the leadership. You feel the weight of the situation. Maybe it's at home. Maybe finances are tight. Maybe uh, uh, you know, there's been some conflict between husband and wife, between parents and child, between children themselves. Maybe there's this, this, this stress and the strain of relationships of people navigating life of humans under one roof. You know, sometimes it's utopia and sometimes it feels like you're on the brink of a breakdown, right? Maybe you've been there before. You're just trying to navigate life. And over the last few weeks, like I said, we've been looking at these different traits of a leader, the, the, the heart, the hands, the head of a leader. And like I said, today we're going to look at the habits of a leader. And oftentimes when we hear that word habit, the first thing that comes to mind is all the bad habits we need to get rid of, right? Maybe, maybe you know, I, I, you know one, one of my habits is, is I'll bite my nails. If I get nervous, if I get bored, if I, you know, it's like, and so my, my fingernails don't look pretty. Yeah, maybe you know when I get bored, I just start munching. I really need to stop, or maybe yeah. And so we when we think of all the bad habits that we 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 have in our life that we need to quit doing, and really, I, the, or or we think of it the other way, and we think of all those things that we ought to be doing, right? Man, I really ought to be saving more. I need to be exercising more. I need to do this more. And then we get overwhelmed by all the things that we ought to be doing better and more of, and we like, oh, and so we just kind of just like freeze, right? I'm just, going to, I'm just going to keep doing what I do because this, this is what I know and better the, the devil I know than the angel I don't, right? Sometimes that's how we are with the habits that we have. These, this is just who I am. This is what I do. But for today, for today, I want to put this other picture in your head. When we think of the word habit, think of a pulley. Think of a pulley. Pulleys are amazing things, aren't they? They, they? they help us to lift more than we ought. I know when you look at me, you think Mike is a physical specimen. He can probably lift tons and tons of, of weight, and you would have the wrong brother. Um, my, my, my brother, uh, during, he did some powerlifting, and he uh, deadlifted like 1,000 pounds. He's just a beast. He, you think, you guys come from the same gene pool? Uh, we, we, we have uh, the same similar shape and, uh, of head, but his is just much more swollen than, than mine. And so uh, he, not, not in a like, puffy head, but he's just 
just massive. Uncle B is a, a big old boy. I think at his lightest these days, he's like 250. And, uh, but he can, he can bench press the building. And, uh, and so I let him do that. Um, but uh, pulleys are these amazing things. Like if you, if you add uh, two, if you have like two pulleys, you only have to use like half the amount of strength, the half amount of effort to lift the load. If you, if you had a third pulley, all of a sudden you're going to begin to exponentially uh, increase the amount of load that you can lift with just the same amount of effort. As the pulleys share the load and they distribute the weight evenly, it allows us to do far more than we thought possible. And so when we apply this to our leadership, I want you to look at this one with each healthy habit. It allows us to lift more than we thought. It allows us to do more than we thought we could see healthy habits serve as pulleys to lighten your load and increase your leadership capacity. Healthy habits serve as pulleys to lighten your load and increase your leadership capacity. Remember leadership is not about position. Remember all of us here, we are all leaders. We're all leaders. We don't, we don't have to have a title. We don't have an official position because leadership is not about position. It's about influence. Whether it's at work, whether it's in your family, everybody has influence over others. Leadership's not about positions, about influence. And these healthy habits, these habits of Jesus are going to help us to bear more and do more than we thought we could on our own. And it's how we connect to his presence, his spirit, and thereby his power. Sometimes David and I talk about how thing, you know, what the sermon's about and all that and, and, and direction and all that. And, and, and in the last few weeks, I, I've, I've, I've not. And all of a sudden today, when he started talking about the presence of God, I'm like, oh, he already knows where I'm going. And he didn't know where I was going. But that's how it is. That when we introduce these habits into our life, it brings us the presence of God, connects us to the spirit of God, and thereby the power of God to be able to work in our life. So today, if you would, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 35 to 39. Uh, obviously, you can tell by the references very early on in Jesus' ministry. Uh, he, he is still gathering his disciples. He is still uh, uh, getting things together, getting things off the ground and moving. And uh, he has uh, gone through a day where he has been teaching and preaching and, and healing people. He's been casting out demons. He's been healing diseases. He has been busy. And one thing we can tell by this is that uh, these habits of Jesus he had from the very beginning. And so just like uh, investments in our financial uh, portfolio, the earlier you start, the greater benefits you have at the end. And so let this be an encouragement to those of us uh, that, that the earlier we start, the sooner we start, the greater benefits we'll have in our life. But if you, some of these habits uh, you don't have and you're, you're feeling a little bit older and you don't, don't let that uh, uh, cause you any concern, begin these habits now, put these pulley, spiritual pulleys to work in your life. Now there are still benefits that you can receive. So whether you're young or old, uh, the, as, as we look at the, the, the habits of Jesus, maybe put them into practice uh, this week. And this is what um, Mark writes for us. He says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon, uh, that's Peter, and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to, to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, 
and driving out demons. See, when sometimes I'll, I'll tell people that uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'll get up and I'll be at the Y somewhere between 5.15 and 5.30 to play basketball. People then begin to assume that I am a morning person. I am not a morning person. Uh, in fact, if the games were at lunch, I would gladly sleep in. Like my, my, my hometown Y, they gather, they, they, a bunch of guys meet at, during the lunchtime hours, a couple different days a week to, to, to play ball together. I would love that. I would love to be able to sleep in and, and, and not have to get up quite so early to play some basketball. And, but uh, one person in my life who is absolutely a morning person was my father. Uh, when, when, when my dad uh, entered into retirement, he finally got to where he could sleep in till seven in the morning. And so uh, um, my mom's like, are you still going to wake up at four 30 every morning? And, but my dad loved it. Cause he'd get up, he'd be able to beat the traffic into, into work. Uh, he would get up the, the gym is much quieter at you know, four 30 or five in the morning. He would get his workout in. He would go in to the office and get his work done and be able to come home and be with us as a family. But, uh, uh, when, but you know who else loves mornings? Jesus. Jesus loved mornings. Mark says very early in the morning. How early was it? It was still dark. You know, we're getting, we're, we're entering into that time of the year, aren't we? When, when, when you wake up and you're like, it, the light should be on and the light's not quite on yet. And it's like, holy cow. Yeah. Uh, which is sometimes better than the waking up at you know, five in the morning and like the sun feels like it's already way up in the sky. And uh, cause I know that that disrupts the sleepers in, in, in my house. And so very early in the morning, it was still dark. Jesus gets up. Daniel Pink in his book, when the scientific secrets to perfect timing says that everybody has a chronotype. Everybody has a chrono. Everybody has a, a time period where they are going to be the most productive, where they're going to get the, the, the most bang for the buck, the most reward, the most return on the investment of their time and energy. And for 80% of people, that time is in the morning. That time is in the morning. So whatever uh, is most important in your life, for the most part, 80% of us here, we're going to get the most return our, our time and work investment by that work, doing that work before lunch. And if you're like me, if you're like me, uh, if you don't stop very, some of the very first things you do in the morning is to stop and have your time with God. Probably won't happen. Right? So there's sometimes I'm like, I'm like, I'll just get to that later. I'll get to that later. I get to that. And all of a sudden it'll be bedtime. I'm like, huh? I, I never stopped to, to read. I never stopped to pray. I never stopped to have my time with God. But, but, but sometimes you know, when I do it first thing in the morning, it's like I get, and it sets the, the pattern for the whole day. And just for the, for the record, the, 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 the time that I spend either preparing for a sermon or the time I prepare, uh, prepare studying for a, a lesson that I may teach, that that's not my time with God. Because I, I, I need to hear from him personally, not just to produce something. Well, sometimes in my personal time, some may give me an insight, give me you know, something I'm going to teach or preach about. But I keep those times separate because I need to know, hear from God personally, not just to produce something for others to, to hear or learn or to know. See, Jesus, he had spent the previous day teaching and preaching and, and healing all sorts of diseases and, and casting out demons. And, and he had been 
spin. He even, at the very end of the day, uh, he's, it seems he's, he's staying with, with, with Peter. He's staying in Peter's house. And he even heals Peter's mother-in-law. She had, a, she had a fever. She wasn't feeling well. He heals her before the end of the night. And after a long day of ministry, Jesus is tired. He is wiped out. And very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus gets up, he leaves the house, and he goes to a solitary pray, place where he prays. He goes off to a solitary place where he prays. See, the day before, he poured himself out until he was empty. He'd been teaching, he'd been casting, he'd be, he, 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 was, he was all peopled out. If this happened today, I can imagine Jesus teaching, preaching, healing. He's doing it all day long. He goes back to Simon Peter's house. He's there with his family, and they've had dinner together, and they have some dessert, and they're sitting around the living room. And then all of a sudden, as they're talking in the evening, all of a sudden, you'd hear Jesus go. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Anyone ever do that in your house? See, my dad was notorious for falling asleep with a remote control in his hand. So we'd be sitting there, we'd be watching TV in the evening, and somewhere about 8, 8.30, all of a sudden, the head would kick back, he'd start to snore, and the remote control would crash to the ground, which would then wake him up, and he would announce to everybody, I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't sleeping. And we'd all look at each other like, yeah, you were. Right? I mean, Jesus is worn out. He would have fallen asleep on the couch in the middle of conversation because he had poured himself out. But he knows, he knows that he needs to recharge. He knows that he needs to refuel. So he gets his sleep. He wakes up early in the morning. And he goes out and he finds a solitary place to pray. He had poured himself out and he goes to the solitary place. That word solitary uh, means uninhabited. So it's the same kind of word that's described when Jesus goes into the wilderness, uh, fasts and prays for 40 days, Satan comes to him and tempts him. That's that same kind of word. But, but it, it may not mean that Jesus went way out. It just meant he went to somewhere, somewhere where people weren't at. Sometimes on a, on a nice day, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll get out of the office and I'll make my way to City Park or Devil's Backbone or some, some sort of uh, uh, state park in our area and, and just kind of do my work from there. To kind of get out of the office, get out of the norm, get out of, of, of what I'm, I'm used to. And some, uh, one of my favorite authors, he, has, he, has, he says this, Mark Batterson says, he says, a change of pace, place plus a change of pace equals a change of perception. A change of place plus a change of pace equals a change of perception. Jesus had to get out away from everybody else. He had to embrace the slow. And as he gets away, as he embraces the slow, he, he, he gets this new perception. He gets this, this opportunity to recharge. And so he gets away from everybody, he goes to this solitary place, and he prays. He begins to connect with his father. Because he's been empty, and now he needs to recharge because he knows there's another day coming. There's another day ahead. And so while he is off and about, he gets away, instead of plugging into the hustle and bustle of the day before he embraces the slow. And what does he gain? He gains the power to serve, the power to preach, the power to heal. And oftentimes we begin to wonder, why doesn't God use me like he used the people in the Bible? Why why, why won't God use me like he used them so long ago? And sometimes 
It's probably because we're just too tired. We have too much going on. We don't have enough room. We are too worn out. We don't have enough energy. We don't have enough bandwidth for God to accomplish his will through us. And Jesus could have just kept going, just, kept, just got back on the hamster wheel and kept going, 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 but he knew that he had stopped. He had to, he, to get out. He had to move away. He had to go to the solitary place and reconnect with his heavenly father, with his father. So all of a sudden they wake up in the house. Everybody else starts waking up and they start looking around and like, where's Jesus? And, and, and Simon and his companions are like, where, where'd Jesus go? And they're like, well, it's not my day to look for him. I wasn't on duty yet, right? They, 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 they're like, where'd Jesus go? And so they begin to look around. Have you ever lost a, a child? Have you ever lost a pet, keys, a parent, someone? Have you ever lost something? You're like, where, where they go? And you begin to turn the house upside down. You turn the, you scour the neighborhood. You're like knocking on doors. Have you seen, have you seen Jesus? Have you seen Jesus? Have you seen? And they're, they're looking everywhere. And all of a sudden they stumble upon Jesus and like, Peter's like, dude, everybody's looking for you. Everyone. Like, man, thought we lost the savior. And then they're like, oh, finally we, we, we found him. I found Jesus. He's over here. So I was like, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. They want you to do today what they saw you do yesterday. Isn't that how we are? I mean, look all throughout Jesus' ministry. You have, you know, John chapter six, Jesus feeds the 5,000. He goes up on the mountain to pray. The disciples leave. Jesus walks to them on the water. They go to the other side of the lake. Everyone who he fed the next day goes back around the lake and they find Jesus. And Jesus is like, you're back for more bread, aren't you? I gave you bread yesterday and you're like, man, if Jesus is cooking, I don't have to cook anymore. I'll just go find Jesus. Jesus will give me the bread. Jesus like, you don't want what I have because you want what I gave you. And so then he goes into the sermon on, I am the bread of life. Get this huge following. And he says, you know what? If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And everyone's like, that's gross. And they leave. The disciples, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you guys going to leave too? Simon goes, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Time and time again, we keep going back to Jesus. Because we say, hey, do again what you did yesterday. Do again. Almost as if Jesus is like this, the, the circus act, this magician, this entertainer, that he's just, he's just here for our spiritual entertainment. And sometimes we keep coming back to him. Do that again. Do that again. Do that again. And really what he wants inside of us is to change, to align with him. Not that we, he just shows up to do the next great act. So Peter's like, hey, everybody's been looking for you. And Jesus is like, yeah, you know, we need to go some other places. I need to go to these other villages and, and preach and teach and, and, and heal there too. See, Jesus could have come and he could have been a big deal in Capernaum. It would, not have been a, uh, uh, it would not have been a difficult thing for him to be this big deal in this small town, but Jesus came for more. He came for world conquest. He came to impact the entire world. He did not come for one people. He came for all people. See, it would have been, a big deal. It would have been an easy thing for him to be a big deal in Galilee, but his vision was much bigger. It was much bigger. So what were the habits? What were the pulleys? The spiritual place that Jesus had in his life to help him to bear this leadership, to uh, 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 make a reality, this vision he had for himself. 
that God had given to him, that, that, that it was his mission when he came to be the Messiah, to be the son of God, to be the savior. And the first, first one, silence. And some of you guys are going, <laughs> do you know my house? Because if you, or if your house is anything like my house, the only time it's silent before anyone gets up. Obviously, like the creaky, the, the, the creaky board, when you step on it, it sounds like a shotgun going off. You think you're going to wake up the whole house and silence. Silence is hard to come by. We live in a loud, loud world. And Jesus knew that if he wanted silence, he was going to have to get away. He had to leave. He had to get up early in the morning before anyone else got up. What was true in Jesus' day is true in ours as well. He wants silence, so he gets up before anyone else gets up. He beats, beats everybody else out of bed to get up to have his time with God. He matches silence with solitude. Silence with solitude. And solitude might be even more difficult for some of us because we might have children. We might have other responsibilities in our life that we can't just up and leave. And so we need, uh, so, so we can't necessarily just get up and get away. But Jesus goes away. He goes to a, a specific place. And while we may not be able to, to leave our house or to, or to get off and go somewhere else, is there a place where you live? Is there a place in your house? Is there a place in your daily routine where you go to meet with God? Maybe it's your kitchen table. It's your favorite mug of coffee. Maybe it's a chair in your living room. Your recliner, the couch, place where you, can, where you sit and, and meet with God. Maybe it's in your bedroom. Here's the first thing you do when you get up. You, you prop up the pillows. You turn the light on. You pull your Bible over and you begin to meet with God before your feet even hit the ground. Is there a place where you can go and you can almost enter your own place of solitude? Jesus, Jesus gets away in silence and solitude to have time of prayer. He, he, he begins to go and he has this moment where he, he experiences the presence of God. And this is sometimes something that baffles us, right? That, that Jesus, the son of God, uh, uh, fully divine, fully human. He, he is God himself. And he needs to pray. Jesus needs to pray. If, if Jesus needs to pray, how much more do we need to pray? We see Jesus praying before he selects his disciples. We see Jesus praying long in the night when he hears about the death of John the Baptist. He prays long in the night after feeding the 5,000. Luke tells us that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. It was part of his normal, regular routine. And if Jesus needs to pray, how much more do we do? Prayer powered the purpose of Jesus. Another pulley that we see is the pulley of scripture. And you might be going, Mike, nowhere does Mark talk about Jesus opening up the Bible. Nowhere does it talk about Jesus opening up scripture and reading from scripture. But you may recall, you may remember that John calls Jesus the word. I think Jesus had this very keen awareness that whatever he did in life was going to be scripture worthy. That Jesus himself was the word, the very word of God. And so this connection, this time with God 
He needed the presence of God to deliver the words of God. Remember, he says, I can only do what I see my father doing. And we receive that same direction. We receive that same guidance, that same wisdom as we read the pages of scripture. We see how Jesus' silence and solitude and prayer in scripture, it prepares him for a life of service. It prepares him for a life of service. It says he traveled, he traveled through Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. How did he have the power to do those things? Not because he just jumped on the hamster wheel and kept going. Because he pulled away, he engaged in these spiritual habits of silence and solitude and prayer, scripture, to be able to have the power to serve. He could have stayed in Capernaum. And it seems that as you read through the gospel, that Capernaum kind of becomes home base for Jesus and the disciples. This is kind of where they, they will continue to come back around to. But Jesus knew that his purpose, he knew that his why, he knew why God sent him to accomplish what he had to do. He knew that he had to leave Capernaum to accomplish those things. He knew they could not stay here. He had to go to other places. And some of those places would receive him. And some of those places would reject him. See, Jesus' purpose was not to be a miracle worker, but to be a redeemer. Our purpose is to make that redeemer known to the world. And if the redeemer himself had to use these spiritual pulleys to accomplish his mission, we would do well to use these same pulleys to accomplish our mission as well. Because healthy habits serve as pulleys to lighten your load and increase your leadership capacity. These healthy habits serve as pulleys to lighten our load and to increase our leadership capacity. If we want to lead like Jesus, we need to prepare like Jesus. Kobe Bryant was one of the greatest basketball players to ever live. He was known for this relentless drive to improve, this relentless drive uh, to, to, to be a champion, to be the best. It became known as uh, the Mamba mentality. And what made him great was not that he could do all sorts of fancy complex moves on the basketball court. It was because he was so good at the basics. He was so good at the basics, just doing the simple things. And while others worked more and more on doing much many more complex things and complex moves on the court, Kobe kept things simple. He kept things simple and then out of his natural ability, those, those simple things put him in the position to do some phenomenal things in his career. I think the same is true for us. These pulleys are so simple. Sometimes we're like, we're like yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know that. I, I understand that. I, I, I hear those things. And I'm sure I've made these points in more than one sermon or two in my time here at the Church of Christ at Hagerstown. But sometimes we want to move on to something more complex when really what is needed is to just do the simple. Just do the simple. And so my challenge for you this week, my challenge for you this week is to maybe add a pulley or two to your life. I'm doing that one and I'm doing that one. Maybe add another pulley. 
Maybe add two points. Hey, I, I think you can do that one. Add a couple of points and, and begin to put them to work in your life and see what benefits to see if it helps lighten your load and be able to help you uh, accomplish more that maybe God will accomplish more in your life and through your life that his glory might be made known. See, if we want to grow in our life and leadership, we have to lead like Jesus. And if we want to lead like Jesus, we have to do the things that Jesus did. So maybe you're like, Mike, I, I want to add a couple of these. I want, I want to add some of this to my, to my life, but I don't know how. Maybe you need to talk to someone. Maybe you want to talk to someone about taking your next step in your journey with Jesus. And I'll be in the back. Uh, uh, and Jim and Mark will be around. Anyone you saw on stage today, we'd love to have a moment and talk with you. If you need to, uh, to talk about how, what, what the next step is for you in your faith. Maybe you just want to uh, maybe let us know a little more uh, anonymously and you can do so by using the connect card at cchmd.com slash connect. You can fill that out and you can check the appropriate box there and we'll follow up with you and, and, and help you as you begin to um, take these next steps to connect with our father, to connect with the spirit of God and the presence of God. So we can have the power of God in our life so we can join him in his mission. So we can help lead others back to relationship with him. See healthy habits, healthy habits serve as pulleys to lighten our load and to increase our leadership capacity. So this week let's follow in the footprints of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for meeting us here in this place today. Father, I pray that you I thank you that you want more for our life than sometimes we offer, that you call us to, to higher and to greater things. Father, you call us to, to engage more with you. Father, take that next step in our journey. Father, to, 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 to begin to, 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 to notice and to engage in your presence, that your power might be at work in us. And so, Father, I pray that this week we'll begin to, to consider and maybe adding some of these practices, some of these habits, some of these pulleys to our life so we can begin to grow and increase our capacity to serve you. Father, you might, as you call us to more, you'll meet us there in that place. That way we'll be ready and made ready to fully serve you. Father, we thank you for the opportunities you'll give us. Father, we thank you that you've saved us, that you love us. That, Father, you want to use us to help others reconnect with you. Father, would you help us this week to glorify you in the things that we do and the things that we say, that you might be made known, that you might be made famous, that your glory may spread through this area. Father, use us to make an impact in our community as you begin to work to win this world back to you. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. And in his name I pray. Amen. Hey, we're glad that you've joined us here today. Uh, tonight we have a youth group. We, we, have, we, we have an adult Bible study as well. We'd love to meet you back here at six o'clock. If not, have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.